Moncrief on News Talk. Welcome back. Yes, Joanna Fortune has joined us for um, parenting. Joanna, before we go to your your first um, question, will we just reflect on the humming noise? In, yeah. in, uh, you were very taken by <laughs> I it. I thought it was great. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Some text on that. He's just trying to get the home, uh, to turn the home into the Loch Ness Monster. Well, it would be a tourist, you know. I mean, he was doing the hard sell. I just thought it was great. He was great to listen to. And he's a good storyteller. He is. Um, In North Leitrim, they've added more wind turbines to a wind farm, though it's over 10 to 15 kilometres away and we're in a preservation area. And we've been hearing a home late at night for the last few months Mm -hmm. as the sound has bounced up the surrounding hills and echoes through the valley. Once you notice the sound, it gets into your head. That's the thing about sound, isn't it? That's totally true. And especially when you you pick it up once, then you're actually priming to go, was I right about it? Was I right? So you do. And I've no doubt that you would hear that. And you know what the key to a really happy marriage is? It's to have one person who hears the home and one person who doesn't hear the home. I'll tell you, that's great crack at night time. That's, that's a constant debate. Yeah, do you hear that? No. no. <laughs> it's you. No, it's you. I can go on for eight hours. Yeah. Do you hear it now? No. Yeah. Our first question. Uh, good afternoon. Has Joanna Fortune any tips on how to approach chatting to young children about a big move? My husband has been told he's to move for work and instead of commuting, we've decided a family move is the best option. We have three children ranging in age from between 6 and 15. I'm particularly concerned about chatting to the older ones about this. I know that this will be a big adjustment as it will mean a new school, sports teams, friends and possibly a period of isolation for our children. Where should my husband and I start with this? And does she think a few visits to our new home and town before the full move would make things move better? I mean, it. yeah, look, at it. we're talking about moving better, but at the same time, the decision around this is an adult one. You know, this is something that affects all the family. But as the parents, you've made this decision. So we're not coming at this by presenting it to your children as, you know, a dis- an ongoing decision that we're going to think about and weigh up. You're presenting them with an outcome. And just hold that in mind. Now, that doesn't mean you come in like a sledgehammer and say, listen, it's happening, you know, suck it up, like whatever, it's going ahead anyway. But you have to be aware that you're not presenting it for them to oppose in the belief that it then won't happen. You know, so you have to yeah. be very clear about this. It is happening. That's going to be hard. I think that's what makes this very hard. And yet it is also how how you're going to shape it because they're allowed to disagree. They're allowed to oppose it. But yet it is happening because the decision has been made. And I think what you need to do is tell them sooner rather than later and present it gently and with empathy. They might resist. I, you know, in one way you're saying, how do we present this to young children? But quite rightly, you're identifying it's your older children, the teenagers maybe that you're particularly concerned about. They have a lot uh, They're going very on rooted. here. And we've spoken before on this lot about how at their age and stage of development, you're really looking at their friends, their community as their important mm. hub of social development. And that's where what they will be likely coming back to you with. So, Yes, they're very likely to show some degree. I don't know your kids now. So some degree of resistance. They may get upset. Your role as the parent in that situation is to accept their reaction, empathise with it and hold a space for them to find this difficult. So you're not saying, yes, but just feel okay with it. You're saying, it's I understand. This is really hard. You are going to miss people. This is a big move and a big a big change. So in sharing it, you want to talk about how it will be hard for everyone. 
but that as parents you felt this would be better than you all not getting to live together, which was the only other option. Mm. So you, you're you not presenting it as, but this is going to be great and great. In lots of ways, of course, you want to yeah. highlight the positives, but not in a way that minimizes or dismisses their right to feel upset about this. So I would start it sooner rather than later. You're talking about do they visit your new home, your new town? It sounds like a lot has been identified here Mm. already. So I think certainly you could, once you've told them and you're holding space for them to react, start with visits to the area, but definitely ensure that you know the area quite well first and have identified specific areas of interest to each of them. So you're not kind of walking around together, none of you knowing what's there, but you're saying, look, I wanted to show you this and I wanted to show you this. Identifying sports teams that will be able, they will be able to transfer to. You mentioned that and schools that, mm. you know, where, where will I be going to school before you're visiting? So you're presenting a picture rather than confusion and uncertainty with it. And I think you also have to come at it again, not too soon. I think as parents, we make the mistake of we're delivering difficult news to our children and we jump too soon to conclusion and solution. It's like, yes, you're upset, but you know what? Your friends can visit and you can visit here. Yes, that's important, but don't interrupt my what? Where is this coming from? I don't want to too quick with that. So I think start the conversation and be prepared for it to be more than a one sitting, particularly with the older ones. And don't minimize the impact on the six year old. You know, you've three children between six and 15. You're running the developmental gauntlet. You there, like are. You know, so they will all have their own reactions and they all need that. What I would say with the younger one is make sure when you're moving that they get a little box, like a shoe box is a fine size and they can pack their own little bits. It does not matter what goes into that box, whatever little bits, stones, pebbles, shells they want to pack. It's marked with their name, a little rubber band around it. And when it goes to the new house, they unpack it so that they're part of the process. Make sure it's active for them. Do start speaking about your new home in positive terms and language, but be aware your 15 year old may not want to hear that from you yet, but your six year old might need to. So it's going yeah. to be tailoring how you approach this to each of your children. Is it really. going to take a long time? Um, I mean, it may or may not, because I, again, I'm looking at this. I don't know how quick this is going to happen, you know, because you may be disrupting your children in the middle of their school year. Yeah. And that's a little bit different, you know, so making sure that they have time for closure and to say goodbye. Doing junior cert, were they? Well, give or take, that's very possible. So being aware that they need closure, they need to be able to say goodbye to their friends. So if you're saying, look, this is going to happen imminently, certainly after Christmas or, you know, by the end of January, for example, they need to know now. Right. I'm thinking about how long the process is going to last um, because there'll be... A process of adjustment. It's a it's it's not linear. It's very difficult to tangibly say, you know, oh, it'll take them three months because actually it very much depends on your children. It depends on the connections they make as soon as they move. It depends on how they in terms of the child. It does their own degree of flexibility um, as well. So I would certainly hold a space for this, you know, to take anything up to that period of time. But also within a family, you could have one or two who are adjusting much quicker and one who is struggling. Sure. So it's not that they have a problem or they're 
trying to upscuttle this or make this difficult for the rest of you. They're simply expressing that they're having difficulty with it. Okay. Um, listeners may have experience of this themselves. If you have Absolutely. and you found any any coping strategies or, or things that work, you do let us know. 53106 is the text number for that. Um, on to then. Uh, my teenage son is really going through a rebellious phase at the moment. I'm really trying to be okay and supportive with decisions he's made recently, but everything is becoming a fight. I told him he couldn't get his tongue pierced on a Saturday came home with it done. I've grounded him and twice he's left the house when he's supposed to be staying at home. I've explained to him that I know what he's going through, but he can't just do as he pleases. I just keep getting explicit responses before he storms out of the room. He won't talk to me or his dad. He eats his dinner and leaves the room. Um, I've tried all approaches, being the cool parent to being strict. Nothing works. How do I even begin to reason with him? I don't want him to think that he can run off and do what he likes and I'll be fine with it. That sounds tough now, Joanna. It is. And I don't know how old this teenager is, but I don't know why I keep thinking 15. I do too. Yeah, it's yeah. going through my mind. Yeah, just because of some of the things you're outlining there, it really sounds like that coming out of early into mid-adolescence phases. Um, what, it, it's so interesting, you know, Tom, when we talk about I've tried everything, I've been the cool parent and the strict parent. It's like, okay, no, you've got to pick your authentic response and stick with it because being the cool parent just makes teenagers highly wary of you. What are you doing? What's your game? And then the fact that you could go from that right through to the super strict and you're saying don't do it, but he did do it and then you're grounding him, but he's going out and he's not speaking to anyone. There's just so much tension in this situation. And when you say your authentic self now, do you mean... That you're, if you find you are naturally the cool parent or, or the, the not strict parent, should we cool say? Parent? I don't oh. know if cool is the word I would use to describe. <laughs> or, or would be described about you. Would it be I, the good cop? I think, possibly? yeah, the, I, the I think it is. The lax cop, maybe. Or maybe just the conflict averse parent. You know, it's yeah, easier yeah, to yeah, say yeah, yes yeah. than get into the fight. Yeah, that's so me. I, I think that that's very common. You if know, you're that, very hard for you to pretend to be the strict parent. Oh, it's very, very hard. But it's also very hard if you're co-parenting with somebody for whom then the burden of the strictness yes. falls on. Because actually that's driving a split. And teenage, yeah. all children, but teenagers are hardwired to find, oh, well, I know who I bring various questions to based on the answers I'm likely to get. When I say authentic response, if if you are not cool with something and you act like you are cool with it, okay. you're basically role playing being the parent. And they know what's not real. They know you don't mean it and you know you don't mean it. So two days later, you won't be able to sustain that facade. And then you'll become this other parent and your teenager will be like, I don't know what version of you I'm going to get. Actually, that's just going to contribute to confusion. So you're better off trying to attune to where am I with this? Where do I sit on it? I think I know where I'd be now. So if you're saying you're not getting your tongue pierced and they come back the next day with the tongue pierced, I think I know where I stand. Isn't that a beautiful example of during adolescence, one of the phases of adjustments that happen is teenagers believe they have left the age of command, do as you're told. Yeah. And they've entered a different age where compliance is up to them. Yeah. So when you say don't get your tongue pierced, I hear... You wouldn't get your tongue pierced, but it's my tongue in my body and therefore I'm going to make the choice about it. And ultimately, what are you going to do about it if I if I go and get it done? You can't pull it out of me. And there's all kinds of boundary pushing, a tongue piercing. It could be something else. At least, you know, it's not a tattoo. I'm whispering yeah. that as if the teenager might go, great idea, Joanna. I'm yes, going exactly. to go and do that now. But I also think in this that when you say 
you, you explain to him that you know what he's going through. I feel like that's really well-meaning, but misguided. Because in the history of struggling with anything, has anyone saying, oh, I know what you mean, mm. me too, Yeah, ever really helped you? It's better to say, I don't know what's going on, but I really want to better understand it. Can you help me to better understand it so that you come at this not from a position of certainty, I know what's going on, but from a position of curiosity, I am seeking to better understand this. Because what concerns me way more than the tongue piercing or anything else is the fact that he's not talking to either of you. And at this time in adolescence, what you want is to shift your focus hard as it is, shift your focus away from correcting him, correcting his behavior towards connecting with him. You have got to sustain the connection. This is a tricky stage of development. Um, rupture is very easy to mm. find. Repair is essential. And in the parent-teenager, well, arguably the parent-child as well, to be honest with you, but the parent-teenager relationship, we see this more amplified no matter who started it, who did what, who said what, who got pierced when they shouldn't have, the person responsible for initiating relational repair is always us parents. Always us, yeah. Because we have to show them that we are invested in the relationship and that's what we want to protect. So, I, yes, he's gone and got his tongue pierced and he knows you wouldn't approve and, you know, he's right, you don't approve. But maybe see, does he need to have a smoothie liquid, you know, liquidized for him? Does he need some ice chips? Does he need some? Is there a way that you could respond with care and nurture for him? Okay. Is there a way that you get interested in what now interests him? So you show him he's still interesting to you and you're interested in him because you've got to find a way. Yes, within boundaries and limit setting, because that's essential at this stage of development. He's never going to high five you and thank you for setting those. But they are important to a, a, a sense of felt safety, feeling safe within ourselves and within the world around us. But that's going to be reached by driving connection over behavioral correction. So you've got to find the way of reconnecting with him a shared interest, a something. How do you do that, though, and also draw the boundaries? Because it seems mm. he's got his tongue pressed when he's told he, he shouldn't. He's gone out when he was told he's grounded. Yeah. So you're trying to connect with him, but, but he's flagrantly just not doing any of because the things you're, you tell him. Because they're existing in, this stage of, in a state of disconnect. Yeah. You know, at the moment he's saying, I don't have to do anything you say. And while developmentally it is quite common that teenagers feel compliance is up to them, there is more of that negotiation that happens. So I want to get my tongue pierced. Oh, you do? Have you looked at where you want to get it done? Who's going to do it? Have you sussed it all out? Do you know the risks? Um, can I sit with that for a bit? You know, you're only... Again, yeah. we're imagining this young person yeah. is 15. I don't know how old they are. I'd rather you wait until blah another arbitrary age, maybe 16, 17, and we can have a think if you still want to do it. So that I'm showing you I'm open to talking about it. Sure. I'm not agreeing. But if I just say, no, don't do that. We're in a standoff. Yeah. And everything then is about conflict. And it's about, well, I don't have to do what you say. So it is that little bit of, you know, you hear it sometimes in young children. You're not the boss of me. It comes back in sharp focus. So you're trying in this to not create a standoff where like, possible, 
Now, I don't want to make that. I'm absolutely not saying this as I'm sure that's easy and grand. It totally isn't. No, it's not at all. But it's about keeping the doors of communication, if not open, keeping them ajar, because otherwise you're trying to communicate through soundproof walls and you're just shouting with the into okay. the wind. It's not landing. I think you've got to find a way of reconnecting with okay. him over a shared interest. And it may be that he's experimenting with new styles, new interests, n- new changing how he looks and you're going, well, I don't really recognize this version of you. Maybe I need to get to know it. Maybe we've got to do something that's going to help us connect. I think you got to get back to basics, the eating dinner together, but not talking. I think if I feel I'm constantly being criticized, I'm more likely to withdraw and shut down. That's where I think you've got to, to bring this. Okay. Um, again, let us know if you've any uh, input on that 53106. This uh, listener says, can you help me? My daughter is two and has been developing really well. She's loads of words now. It's very funny to hear her trying to string a sentence together. However, when other people, apart from my husband and I, are around, she won't speak. At the start, we assumed she was just shy, but now it's happening all the time. Even when people she's used to, like my parents, are in the house. Could this be a developmental thing? As she's two, it's not like I can ask her what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to think I should get her checked out. Yeah, I mean, it's she clearly can and does speak and she's stringing words together in a sentence. So she's quite competent as a speaker where she feels most comfortable and possibly where she feels most heard. You know, you're delighting in her speech. It's even it's very apparent even from how this letter is written that you delight in her efforts to communicate and connect like that. So these more selective speech patterns, because it's not that she can't speak, it's that she isn't speaking in particular settings at her age. I think they can and probably should be flagged at her developmental check, which she's two years old, is around now. So if it hasn't happened, it she is due that. And you may now need to call your PHN, your public health nurse, to say, hi, she's due for a checkup and actually we would like to discuss something because unless you're flagging that there are difficulties, the waits and delays as a result of COVID and, you know, the backlog are quite extensive. So they may not get to you exactly at her second birthday or when she's turning, you know, just turned two. So I think it would be no harm to reach out and say you would like to have her developmental, her two-year-old developmental check done and that you have a specific question about speech because even if they're saying we can't see you just yet, they may be able to have a speech and language therapist reach out to you or connect with you that you have that question. So there's no harm to do that because you have a question about it. She's very young, so it could be something that's simply a phase of introversion, some shyness that's emerging in her. Either way, don't force it. Never force her to speak in front of other people. Don't make too big a deal out of it. Ensure you're encouraging her to speak at home with you, that you do ask her questions when you're out, but not with a demand that she respond. If she's not responding, you just say, "Okay, we can talk about it later and move on. But if that was to develop as a pattern that she is now only speaking at home and only speaking with parents, I would want somebody to have a look at that just to make sure that that isn't going to become embedded as a selective mutism or a selective speech pattern where children can speak, but for various reasons. And it's very hard to know why they don't speak. It doesn't mean she never will, by the way, just to say that it just might mean you need a little bit of structured support around facilitating her in speaking outside of home. She may not even be in her preschool years yet, you know, so yeah. I wouldn't. it's no harm to have that address before she's going to be in that environment in case she decides not to speak there. Sure, very good. Um, finally, uh, ever since we got a new car seat for my four-year-old, uh, they won't sit in it. 
This is a very strange behaviour for him. We've never had this issue before. Now he's screaming for ages before even getting strapped in. I've checked to see if I'm hurting him and he said it's not. He just hates it. Any explanation why this change has caused such upheaval? It sounds like they've got a haunted chair or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's a much better reason than what I was going to say. <laughs> but actually... It's at the four-year-old stage, it might well be a very different positioned chair. You know, the way it might be the yeah. booster with the back and the arms on it. They rather all change. Than that I remember curved. bits of yeah, them they were getting do. taken away. And exactly. So it's likely a different shape, size, and it will feel differently. And so while he's saying, I hate it, he may be saying it's not as comfortable as that curved, you know, deep-seated, deep-set seat, rather, sure. that you sit, almost sink into. So it may be the positionality of it that is actually distressing him. Um, I mean, look at he has to sit in it for you to go somewhere. So it's some of these things that come in, you're looking at your four-year-old and saying it's non-negotiable, we've got to do it. And they're saying that's fine, but I don't have to be happy about it. So how do you mediate some of that distress for him is really what we're thinking of. You can get those. Now, I'm sure there's a specific name for them, but I'll describe them because I don't know the name. You know, like a strap wrap you know, those little Velcro padded things yeah. you can wrap around seatbelts and you can get them with their little, I'm doing this like anyone can see me, you know, they're the shoulder pieces. Sure. And um, you can get them with different characters on them, maybe from a TV show, maybe from a book, something that he likes. You could get that and help him to personalise the seat and make it more his, put his stamp on it and quite literally give him a few stickers that he can decorate it a bit and just get a sense of ownership. Some children respond well when you bring the seat into the house when you're, it's not in use so they can play with it. Not, not, not play with it in a way they're going to damage it. Of course, you have to be safety conscious with this, but just that they can practice sitting in it when it's not in the car and not moving, but just in the house and get used to the straps because it you might be able to observe it's something to do with the straps or it's something to do with how tall he is or isn't and where the straps sure. are meeting him just to see if there's something quite small that would make yeah. a big difference there. Um, You'd imagine he'd say though, wouldn't you? You'd imagine he'd say it's Cutting me here, it's pulling in there. I mean, he may or may not at four. It might be much more succinct to say, I hate it. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I hear him. You know, you know like I'm just not going to yeah, because good luck with that. he's Sorry. not aware of the road safety issues. So this is something that has to happen. So you're being gentle yet firm with it going, we will be getting into our seat. Let's make it as comfortable as possible. Do you want to bring your favourite stuffy with you and you can cuddle your stuffy while we're sitting you in or giving him something to occupy or distract him while he's there. But at the same time, this is perseverance, I'm afraid. Sure, it has to happen. Um, Joanna, thank you very much for that. Joanna will be back with us again next week at the same time. If you have a question for Joanna, you need help with uh, parenting. Afternoon at Newstalk.com is the email address. Thank you very much indeed. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.